to episode 46 of the podcast to be named later. I am Chris Wilson. I'm joined by my good friend, Stephen Talbert. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Chris? It's always good to do these with you, buddy. It's been a it's been a fun stretch of games. The Braves are the hottest team in baseball. They continued it with a sweep that we're going to talk about, obviously. But yeah, I mean, how can you not have fun when a team is playing this well? Actually, look, they're I think they actually have a better record by win percentage than the Rays at this point. So they have the best record in baseball by win percentage. So this has been an incredible run, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I know when I was putting this uh, uh, the outline together for tonight, I'm like, you know, we've got nothing to complain about, honestly. No. <laughs> I mean, nope. um, you know, it's been an unbelievable run through June. We're going to talk about the their June record this month. But I think we'll just get started with this twin series. You know, I'll be honest, it's coming home off a good road trip. You know, I think you even tweeted it Monday. It was a little bit of a, a chance for a, a letdown. Maybe we were a little worried about that. But, uh, you know, they didn't let down. I mean, they took on two – really good pitchers and and pretty much wore the twins out held the twins off offense the twins came in struggling offensively anyway uh but the braves added to that with their pitching this week and uh you know keep hitting home runs and uh it was just a a, a, you know a really good series i guess if you're a braves fan yeah i was i mean like you said I, i tweeted it out i was a little worried about the you know the the cincinnati series was so emotional and it was so hyped, and that crowd was bananas. They had sellouts every day, and it's a crazy ballpark where you never feel safe with any sort of lead. You know, it's just all it's it's exhausting to play there. Like even if you score five runs or six runs, you know, you just never feel safe, and so you're always on edge. And I really did feel like coming home, you know, a lesser opponent. You know, the Twins are kind of a meh team. I thought they, you know, it was kind of a classic letdown spot. And Sonny Gray is really good, who they had on Monday. And, yeah, I was really, I was pleasantly surprised that they, you know, the pitching really helped early. Strider had a really good, I think we're going to talk about the games here in a minute. But, yeah, it was good. It was really good to see, you know, them not fall into that kind of classic, you know, hangover game trap. Yeah, and I mean, Snicker even talked about that a little bit Monday after the game, or even before the game. He come in, you know, he was talking about how exhausting those games in Cincinnati were. They were long, you know, which is not something that they're really used to, you know, given with the with the new rules and stuff and uh, um, and everything. So, you know, I think it was it was good. They got a run on the board there fairly early, and then uh, you know, finally got to Sunny Gray late in that in that start. But uh, you know, I think the story for that first game the Braves were one ended up winning four to one they hit hit two home runs Acuna and Ozuna uh both homered but Spencer Strider was the story uh second good straight good start from him seven innings ten strikeouts looks more like the guy that what we've what we saw early in the season now you know it's uh, two two rough starts to start June and then uh you know back-to-back really good outings uh, against the Phillies and the Twins but uh you know you like what you've seen from uh from Strider. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and one theme of all of these games is is the caveat that the Twins are not a great offense. So, you know, all all of the qualifiers apply here. But yeah, it was really good to see Spencer maintain the velocity that we saw in that last start. Um, you know, he was kind of back up to ninety eight, ninety nine, and that start before, and then he, he, you know, on Monday night he kind of had the same. He had the same velocity. He was ninety eight, ninety nine. The slider looked good. You know the Twins strike out a ton. They're the by far the most strikeout uh, heavy lineup in baseball. You know they've had a lot of problems scoring runs, and and you can kind of see why. 
Um, they just swing and miss so much. You know, Buxton is not having the year that he normally has. Correa is not having the year that he normally has. So, you know, they're, they're in kind of a down spot. But you know what? You take advantage of it. And Strider looked good. And the bullpen needed a blow, man. It was huge. It was huge for Strider to get. I think he went seven. And that was a big deal. He'd only gone – I think he'd only gotten that many outs one other time this year. And the Braves had like half their bullpen down on Monday because of all the work that happened over the weekend in Cincinnati. So for him to go seven and the lineup to hit, you know, to get four runs and give a little bit of a cushion where some other guys could close the game out. And, you know, McHugh, I think they had McHugh and then um, Ben Heller came in and got a big out. Um, so, yeah, it was good. Not only did they win the game, but they won it without using any of their the back end of their bullpen because they were all unavailable. Um, so yeah, Strider and kind of the, some of the lesser known bullpen guys really clutched out on Monday and, and helped kind of reset the bullpen. Kirby Yates picked up his first save since yeah. 2020. Happy for Kirby because I mean, he's starting to really round in. I know, you know, I was looking at his numbers today, still, still running a pretty high FIP out there, but over the last 10 or 11 games or so, he's, he started to look uh, a lot more like the guy that we've seen that splitter. He's, he's doing a better job keeping that splitter down. Uh, had a big inning today that we'll talk about too. But, you know, moving on to Tuesday, facing Joe Ryan. I mean, uh, you know, Sonny Gray's, uh, it was good. You know, they left him in there and the Braves tagged him, you know, late to, to really push that. But Joe Ryan had been really good. He was coming off a complete game shutout. You know, I tweeted that before the game, you know, before that first inning started and everybody reminded me about it, you know, like I didn't know. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the Braves just jumped all over him. Five homers in the first two innings. Cunha let off the game with a homer and then hit another one in the second inning. It was, you know, I mean, this offense is just unbelievable right now. One through nine. There's no place to go for outs. And, you know, I can't remember. I mean, I know that 2019 offense was really good, but I can't remember seeing a Braves lineup this potent one through nine, you know, as the way it goes. Bryce Elder wasn't uh, at his best, but he kind of got better as the game went on. Pitched out of some trouble, had traffic on, uh, got out of a couple of jams. You know, six innings, two runs. You can't you can't ask for much more than that. And uh, you know, another good win. Yeah, Tuesday's game was weird because that was the game where the Braves made like four errors in the first two innings of the game, and but Minnesota couldn't get a hit with runners in scoring position to save their lives. And, and it only cost them one run. And then the Braves came up and just everybody just hit a homer. Like they had five homers in the first 10 plate appearances. Obviously Acuna had two. Riley hit a two-run homer. Murphy hit one. I guess I think Harris hit the other one. So, yeah, it was yeah. it was a weird game. And the funny thing about that game was like the first three innings like were crawling by because there were so many base runners and the Braves were making errors. And then on offense, they were getting hits. And then I swear to God, the last six innings of that game was played in like 45 minutes. Like they like they flew through the rest of that game. And, yeah, it was kind of everybody scored in the first two innings and then nobody scored after that. And, um, yeah, 6-2. Like you said, Elder wasn't great. I thought he was – you know, he had like four or five walks, only a couple strikeouts. I thought it was probably his worst command game. Um, he really wasn't able to put his slider and change up where he wanted to, which is kind of his key. Uh, but again, Minnesota is just they're in the they're in the the dredges right now in terms of offense, and so that you know that's kind of the team you want to face when you're not going to have your best start. And, and they did they really didn't make the Braves pay for any of it, um, even the errors that kind of built up with the first couple innings. So, yeah, good win, six to two, and it was. I mean, honestly, it was relatively easy. The Braves, the Braves didn't even have to use their their 
um, high leverage guys for that game either. So that that was even more rest. Yeah, uh, Snicker was talking about the errors after the game. He said, you know, he kind of felt like that might have been their best defensive game all year, even though they had the four errors, which two of those came on one play. Eddie Rosario got charged for another one late in that game. I tweeted about it that, you know, I thought it was garbage throw. He made a strong throw, hit the runner. You know, I just felt like the runner moved up on the throw home. But, you know, he got charged for an error there. So, you know, it was it was a weird – like you said, it was a weird game. that they had that unbelievable play where Ozzie – Ozzy uh, dove and stopped that ball up the middle and then flipped it to Orlando, you know, who threw on the first. I mean, it just uh, – the crowd went crazy. I mean, it's going to be a highlight you're going to see the rest of the season probably, you know, anytime uh, anytime they're showing showing highlights as far as the Braves go, you know, from the first half or whatever. Tuesday night, you know, I went to this game expecting the announcement that it was going to be Michael Soroka. And we got a little bit of a swerve after the game was over because uh, Snit announced it was going to be Colby Allard, uh, which I'll be honest, I should have considered Allard a little more, given a little more thought. But the reason I dismissed it was because he'd only made two rehab starts and the most pitches he had thrown was 60-something pitches. So it was a little surprising to bring him up. The Twins um, really struggled against left-handed pitching. I think the Braves added, uh, got a little help today too, because Carlos Correa was out of the lineup. You know, dealing he's been dealing with some uh, foot issues, and they they set him out day game after the night game. But you know, Toby Allard was impressive. I mean, I really I'll admit I haven't seen him pitch since uh, you know he made his major league debut in in 2018 with the Braves and uh, or two yeah and then. You know, I really have kind of lost track of him. I know he struggled in Texas, but he was in complete control today. You know, three hits, eight strikeouts, struck out the side in the first. I think he had six Ks through the first three innings. You know, he he, he threw 70-something pitches, which I think was about as far as they wanted him to go. They let him face, him, face the order exactly two times. Uh, but, you know, I was impressed. I mean, the curveball, the changeup uh, was really good. The fastball velocity still around 90. But you know when you pair it with that chain with that off speed stuff and we're, the way he located the fastball up in the zone, you know he had a Minnesota he had this Minnesota team just guessing and, and flailing at, at a bunch of high fastballs uh, early on. Uh, so you know I mean I, I don't think anybody was expecting much. In fact, you know I, in a lot of ways thought this might be just a glorified bullpen game. But I mean Kobe Allard went out there and impressed. Talk about a, a 180 from what we were expecting. You know, everybody, I mean, everybody that follows the team, you know, I saw a couple of the beat writers taking some crap for this, but like everybody that follows the team thought Mike Soroka was going to pitch this game. Like anybody that spends any time following the Braves kind of just, it was almost a foregone conclusion. And so when they announced Allard, who, like you said, had only made two rehab appearances, he's been out since March with an oblique injury. And only had made two rehab appearances and only faced 14 batters um, in either of those two starts. And so when they announced him, it was wow. It was it was a way out of left field kind of announcement, and nobody saw it coming. And so no one knew what to expect with Colby. And I was I was impressed with a couple of things. First of all, I was impressed with his command of his off speed stuff specifically. I thought the way he was able to dot change ups and curveballs. Even in hitters' counts, he, there was a couple times where he would get behind in the count, and on 2-0 or 3-1, he would dot a changeup kind of low or low and away, and it, it's a strike. And so if, even if they don't swing, it's still a strike, and that would get him back in counts. And, you know, I was I was super impressed with his command of his off-speed stuff. And then I was really command, I was really impressed with his stamina. You know, he made it two full times through the order. You know, when you've only thrown – two rehab starts and since March, you know, 
I, I saw a scenario where he would maybe get one time through the order kind of decent. And then once that second time through comes up, like get lit up a little bit and that didn't happen. He, he, you know, he looked just as strong at the end of the game or at the end of his outing as he did at the beginning. He struck out the last two guys in that fourth inning. He had a couple guys get on base and then he struck out the, his last two guys. And then obviously Kirby came in to finish that inning off. But yeah, I was super impressed. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how realistic it is for that to continue that way, but you know, I, I looked at his numbers in Texas, and even in Texas, he had really gotten his command under control. He he wasn't walking guys. Um, Colby gets in trouble when he when he leaves the ball up. He he can give up quite a few homers, and when he when he starts going bad, and that's really where he kind of he he was really that's where he really struggled in Texas. But yeah, his command was was super impressive today, and good for him. And he's got a really good velocity distribution on his pitches. He throws his fastball like ninety ninety two. That that changeup is like 80, 82, and then that curveball is like 70, 72. And it's just really tough. I mean, when you're locating that stuff, it's just tough for hitters to time any of that. You know, if you're if you're trying to stay back on a 70 mile an hour curveball, then a, a 90 mile an hour fastball, you know, it looks like Randy Johnson out there. So um yeah, I was really impressed. I, I was I, I I'm not gonna say I saw it coming. I'm I'm pretty surprised how good it was, but Good for him, man. I mean, he was once a, a top prospect in this system. Everyone knows that. And, you know, it was it was awesome to see him come out and contribute that the way he did. Yeah, and I, I think I buried the lead a little bit um on this too. The reason the reason the Braves needed a starter for Wednesday was because uh, they sent AJ Smith Shaver down uh before Monday's game. Reasoning for that, I mean, Braves came out of that series with the Reds, the bullpen was taxed. You know, they were down without four guys Monday night. Tonkin, Minner, Anderson, and, and Iglesias were all down. Snickers said that after the game. So, you know, they were prepared, and that's why it was so big that Strider gave them seven innings, and then they didn't really have to lean too heavily uh, even in Tuesday's game. So, you know, it really kind of set them up. But, yeah, I mean, Allard coming in and, and pitching the way he did, you know, it's just uh, it was it was it was fun to watch. I mean, you know, he was aggressive, and what I remembered about him, you, you made the point about the command. What I remembered about him was the guy being the guy that you know four or five walks, and um, you know, yeah. and then he's got to come in there, and then he gets hit hard, and yeah. then, you know, it's a it's a big thing. I mean, he's always struggled a little bit with homers, uh, but when he had that fastball up today, he really had it up. You know, so nobody could really get on top of it. It was a great matchup. Like I said, the Twins struggled against left-handed pitching, and and Correa wasn't in there. But I'm not going to nitpick it because I mean he went out there. You know, I agree. I think with you, honestly, I think the hope might have been that he would get one time through the order. But he was so good. You know, you had to send him back out there. So yeah. I think the Braves had to be really ecstatic to get four and two thirds out of him today. You know, in what's uh, amounted to his third rehab start, you know, uh, just happened to come at the major league level. You know, before we move on past that game, you know, Matt Olson, 26th home run, at leads the National League. It's a uh, trails only Shohei Otani. Two more RBI, and I'm pretty sure he and Ozzy are a top board in, in RBIs. But, you know, this this month has been un, unreal. And I mean, it it really mimics last season because June was when the Braves really took off. They're, they're 20 and four now. 21 uh, wins is the franchise record. It's been done four times, and they did it last year. They were 21 and six last year, I believe. They got a chance if they win Friday to be 21 and four this time. But you know, it's just like everything's hitting on all cylinders, and that's the that's the big thing. I mean, the home runs. You know, everybody's talking about that, but you know, Snicker talked about it the other night. They're striking out less. You know, they're good at bats. It's like they're working. You know, they're they're when a team's make mistakes, yeah, they're hitting it out of the ballpark. 
but you know they were they were um, I know on the broadcast today they showed it you know in April they were striking out almost nine and a half times per game and and so far in June it's down to like seven point one I mean that's a significant that's a significant uh, change and you know when you factor in the the months that Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna and Michael Harris have had you know this offense this offense is even better than I think what we could have uh, we could have dreamed about. Well, yeah, and we've seen kind of the, you know, we knew at some point that Ronnie would have one of those big home run months that, you know, kind of got his numbers back to kind of what he's used to in terms of home runs. And, you know, he's got that. He's already had that this month with eight, and there's still, what, two or one game left in the in the month. So, yeah, it's just been a, it's been incredible. I mean, I, I've been looking at the, the numbers, the offensive numbers for this month. I mean, the worst hitter on the team this month has been Orlando Garcia. And he's got a 106 WRC plus. Like that's the that's the worst in June. And everybody else is like in the 120s, 130s, 140s, 150s. Rosario's at like 210. I mean, Acuna's at 180. Olson's at 130. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's been bananas. I mean, and they've and they've needed it, right? And there's been like in that Cincinnati series, like the the starting pitching wasn't good. They had a couple of rookies out there. They had to win games with their offense, and that's what they did. And you know. It's been incredible to watch, and that's the strength of this team. You know, we all we all knew that coming into the year that the lineup was going to have to carry the team at times because, and that was before Max and, and Kyle were hurt. And so, especially after those guys got hurt, we knew the offense was going to have to really carry the lion's share of the work for a lot of the time. And that's what's happened. And it's not going to last. I mean, you know, they're going to go through a stretch where they can't score runs. That happens to every team, and you know, that's just baseball. But that should make you appreciate stuff like this even more when they have an entire month. I mean, they have a, they have 55 home runs. Yeah. 55 home in a month. And the next closest team has like 40. Yeah. Like franchise record is uh, 56, which was set in that 2019 team. And which, if you remember that now that was uh, Ronald hit 40, Josh Donaldson had 37. Yeah. Riley's rookie year. Yeah, uh, Dansby had twenty seven, just missed thirty, you know, and then you, of course Freddie Freeman, I think he had thirty four. So, you know, that was a that was a powerful lineup. But top to bottom, it doesn't compare, you know, to this one, just because this one can hurt you, you know, uh one through nine, and then you you know, you've got a couple of guys sitting on the bench that can probably <laughs> come in the in the game and hurt you too. Well, two thousand nineteen was also the year that we've kind of learned now that was when they had the ball juiced as much as pot like every like home runs that year went like i remember the twins hit like 300 home runs that year yeah which you know which is bananas for any team much less a team like the twins and so you know 2019 was a definitely a a juiced ball year and so to to be at that level this year with a much more neutral ball i mean it just shows you how deep this team is and you know azuna has really stepped up you know we have to give azuna credit for how well he's hit over the last two months about two months you know, he's really deep in the lineup. He's he's a threat kind of in that 6-7 spot. Michael Harris has found his swing. He is now all the way back to looking like the guy he was last year. You know, Rosario's looked great against right-handed pitching. Left-handed Ozzy has even made a, a resurgence. I, I still don't love left-handed Ozzy in the second spot, but listen, I'm not going to complain about lineups when this team is scoring this many runs. So, you know, we're going to table that for another time, but um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been incredible and it's, it's, it's so much fun to watch. It's funny listening to other teams and other fans. Like when they come in to play the Braves, 
you know, I follow all the beat writers for other teams just to kind of keep perspective on the league. And, you know, it's funny listening to them talk about this team and especially like the twins who don't see the Braves that often coming in and being like, good Lord, how, you know, how are you supposed, how are you supposed to play this? I mean, how do you play a team that in one through nine hit the ball out of the ballpark and all of them hit a ball 450 feet? I mean, it's, it's terrifying. And, you know, when Michael and Acuna are, are both playing well at nine and one, they're a, that's a whole another dynamic. And we saw that a lot this series. And yeah, it's just been, it's been incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, last note on the homers. Um, the Braves set a franchise record in 2019 with 249. You know, for some pers- perspective, they only need 102 more home runs uh, to tie that mark um, right now. Uh, the They were I, – I didn't see this updated for Wednesday, but I know Tuesday night at the game, you know, they were on pace for 299 home runs. So, you know, they just – if they keep this up, which they're probably – like you said, they're going to cool off a little bit. But, you know, I think they're still going to hit a, a ton of home runs. So you're going to see them. They're going to be in position to just shatter that franchise record, you know, before the season's done. All right, let's uh, let's take a break right here, and uh, then we'll come back and uh, uh, get to uh, some more some more news items. You know, you mentioned Michael Harris. You know, I want to just highlight how big of a turnaround this was. But you know, going back to last year, even. You know, he, he put together the rookie of the year season, really took off. And I think a lot of people were surprised by his offense. You know, we'd always heard the knock on him a little bit was that he would chase pitches out of the zone. You know, we saw it a little bit at times, but, you know, he really, you know, he really was pretty steady once he once he got up here and and, and got comfortable. But, you know, he, he it was a struggle this season. He, of course, he had the back injury, you know, was on the injured list for about uh, roughly three weeks. He was hitting 163 on June 6th, and since then has hit 425 with a 740 slugging percentage, 213 weighted runs created plus over that span. This brings his uh his season line up to 266, 318, 432 with a 101 WRC plus. I'll be honest with you, when the month started, I didn't think there was a prayer that he was going to get to league average in terms of weighted runs created plus this season. And he's done it in basically, you know, three and a half weeks. So, um, you know, I know I agree. You know, I agree with you. You mentioned the Albies in the second hole, but I'll, I'll tell you, it has just seemed like it's just killing these opposing pitchers when they have to go through Arcia Harris at the bottom of the order. And then all of a sudden, you know, here's Acuna and Albies. And it, having all that speed on the lineup, man, I've really liked that dynamic. I hope Ozzy can continue to hit the way he has left-handed or and produce runs. You know, he had a big sacrifice fly in, in Wednesday's game. But, man, Harris, having Harris in there at that bottom of the order has just kind of, you know, it's kind of just setting the table for Ronald, you know, which is kind of a weird, uh, weird thing because Ronald's been setting the table for everybody. Well, yeah, and it's also given Ronald some, you know, some opportunities for RBIs, right? I mean, that's kind of always been the worry, at least for some, not for me because I don't care about RBIs, but for some is that, you know, Ronald batting first limits the amount of, you know, runs he can drive in, the production he can drive in versus always being the guy that gets driven in. But yeah, for Michael, I mean, you know, we've talked about, I've talked about Michael a bunch this year and, and the talent is unquestioned. I mean, he's got, he had a home run. Uh, yesterday, like he barely swung. It looked like he barely swung and he hit it over the chop. I mean, he's got ridiculous power. He's got power in spades to all fields for a guy, his size and his age, he's going to get bigger too. It's it's an absurd amount of power. Obviously everybody knows about the defense and the arm. So he's already got so much of what it takes to be an elite level player. 
you know, it's just kind of refining, refining the edges and, you know, getting the ball off the ground a little bit more, you know, pitch selection, what we swing at, what we don't stuff like that. But yeah, it's really good to see. He's gotten some better luck. Um, he's been driving the ball for a while now, actually. He's, you know, I think that conversation he had with Chipper about, you know, trying to hit the ball over the shortstop's head, which was kind of Freddie Freeman's approach for all those years. You know, I think it helped him. I think it kind of recentered him. Um, we saw him hit some balls out to left field over the fence. And that's when you kind of knew that he was kind of locked back in. And and ever since then, he's been awesome. And I tweeted this today, but when he, yeah, when he, when he's on, when he's going well, and he's batting nine and Ronnie's batting one, I mean, that's brutal. That's an absolutely brutal combination for any pitcher because it's so much speed. I mean, those two guys get on the bases. It's just a havoc. You, you know, I mean, especially with the new rules, like if those guys are on first and second, then it's almost inevitable they're going to be on second and third. I mean, it's just it's like when Ronnie gets a walk, it's almost inevitable that he's going to be on second at some point. So that's just a that's just so that's such a frustrating and annoying thing to have to deal with as a pitcher. And and the Braves have two guys back to back in the lineup. So yeah, been huge. Super happy for Michael that he's finally getting some results. And you can tell, like you know, his personality is back. That confidence is back. He was really struggling for a while, and it really kind of—you could tell it, it was—it was draining for him. And it's—it's it's fun to see the guy having fun again and, and playing the way that you know his talent says he should be playing. Yeah, and I mean, Snicker talks about that all the time. He's mentioned it numerous times with uh, about Harris, when asked about Harris. It was just basically, you know, how everybody goes through slumps like this, and young guys like this have to learn how to, you know, how to come out of it, basically, and you know, it just makes them better. And uh, that's a scary thought because, I mean, I mean, he was in such a deep slump. You know, you had to wonder if he was ever going to be able to get – I know batting average is one thing, and, you know, his, his on-base percentage is still – you know, uh, it's respectable at 318, but I'm, I figure it'll go up, you know, especially if he continues this. But, you know, you had to wonder if he was ever going to get above that 220 mark, you know, hitting just because he got off such a such a tough start. But, and he is blistering hot, and I think, you know, he's been a big part of this offensive surge in, in June. We had to, did get some a couple of injury updates this week. I did want to mention them. Sean Murphy's back in the lineup. They were kind of alternating uh, him and Darno uh, before he had the hamstring injury, and they've really done it since he's come back. Uh, you know, they've been playing all this time that Murphy's been out with a third catcher on the roster and no backup infielder. Uh, Snit was asked about that uh, Tuesday. He said if Murphy came in feeling okay uh, today, and I assume he did because we didn't hear anything, that you know they'll probably add another infielder back at at, uh, at some point. Not 100% sure who that'll be. Uh, Lucas Williams is on the 40-man roster. They claimed him off waivers, uh, I think, earlier this month. And then Charlie Culberson was outrighted to Gwinnett uh, initially um, – Rejected the assignment and uh, became a free agent, but then re-signed as a, a minor league deal. You know he he could be a, a possibility as well again. But you know they've they've got a full forty man roster right now, so we'll have to see we'll have to see how they play that. They'll have to they'll have to make a roster move there. But you know it's it's good to see Murphy back in there. And I mean just again, I know you and I have, we've we've beat these uh, beat this catcher situation up you know pretty much since the off season, but it is just so big to you know be able to sit a guy like Murphy for as long as they did and have a guy like Travis that can go in uh, handle the pitching staff and help you offensively and I mean it's just been a big part of this it's been a big part of this June you know this June um, uh, surge that they've had yeah and I, I listened to an interview today with Travis and you know all Travis wanted to talk about was was Allard and 
you know, how well he pitched. And, you know, he talked about as soon as Allard had kind of a weird day yesterday because Allard didn't know he was going to pitch. So he actually traveled with the AAA team up to Minnesota where they were playing and then had to jump back on a plane back to Atlanta. And so he didn't get in until very late. And obviously it was a day game today, so that made it even worse. And so Travis was talking about, you know, having to get with Allard as fast as possible and get, you know, kind of an idea of where he is and, and what he's comfortable with and and kind of helping him get through the start. And, you know, just having that kind of veteran, you know, if you have a 21-year-old catcher, a 22-year-old catcher, I, I don't know if they are going to think about that, right? Like, you don't – when you're a veteran catcher and you've been through it for so many years, like, that's stuff you think about. Like, okay, I've got this young kid coming in who's pitching. I need to get with him as fast as possible, like faster than just, you know, seeing him in the clubhouse once we all get to the field. Like, I need to call him. I need to get in his head, figure out where he's at so we can make the start go better. Like that's just the stuff that happens when you have veteran catchers. And that's why managers love having veteran catchers. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons the Braves were comfortable trading Contreras, you know, for Murphy is because they wanted more, you know, kind of uh, a little bit more of an established veteran catcher for defensive reason for defensive reasons. And so having two of those guys is just incredible. And, you know, we've talked about it all year, but the Braves are just it's an embarrassment of riches to have both these guys. Either one of these guys could be starting full-time starting catchers and you would feel great about it. And the Braves have both of them and it's just absurd. And I am interested to see what they do with the backup infield spot um, because they clearly don't, they're clearly not that worried about it because they just went, I don't know, 10 days without a backup infielder on the roster. And, you know, I think they think Rosario could probably do some emergency stuff if he had to for different positions, and Ozzy can play short in an emergency and stuff like that. But, yeah, so that'll be interesting. But, yeah, it's great to have Murph back and, and now to have kind of your full complement again. Yeah, a few more injury updates. Um, Tuesday, Max Freed threw in the bullpen, completed a, a side session. Uh, Snicker said his next step is going to be throwing live BP. Uh, that could take place later this week and, and next week. Um, so, you know, that's good news. He, he's gotten through the uh, bullpen sessions and, you know, he's going to face face hitters soon. Jesse Chavez, I think, is eligible to come off the aisle Friday, but that's not going to happen. Uh, Snit said that he's playing catch, but he's not thrown off a mound. Uh, evidently, that leg was still pretty sore, you know, from where he got uh, line drive by Miguel Cabrera in, in Detroit. So he's a little bit uh, delayed still. Dylan Lee, uh, he said Dylan Lee was throwing bullpens. I'm assuming uh, he didn't actually say this, but I'm assuming um, since he's been doing that for a couple of weeks, like Freed, that uh, you know the next step for him would probably be live BP two at some point. And then Kyle Wright has started his throwing program, which is big. Um, he's throwing on flat ground and progressing, you know, with long toss. So uh, the timelines aren't really changed for free to write. You know, free was expected back a uh, week, two weeks after the all-star break, probably at the earliest and, and writes probably going to be at the first of August, but you know, they keep checking these, checking the, uh, the list, off, you know, the list off. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's good because when you think about it, this team's 53 and 27 and Max Freed's made what four starts, you know, I mean, that's just a, uh, you know, when you get him back, if he's anywhere close to where he's supposed to be, you know, just how good, how good is this team going to be? Yeah, it's absurd. And even Kyle, right? I mean, <clears throat> when Kyle and, and Max probably, even the number of starts they made, if you if you reduce it down to healthy starts, it's probably even less than that. It's probably like four or five. So, yeah, it's going to be absurd. And and when I look at all of those guys coming back from injury, the, the number one thing I think is, 
take it easy. Take it slow. Don't don't rush. Don't skip any steps. The team is 53 and 27. Like having these guys healthy and available for September, October is more important than having them healthy and available for July. Right. So like the Braves are like 99.999% likely to be in the playoffs in some you know way, shape, or form at this point. That's how big of a lead they have. And even if something crazy happened in the division, they have you know, an astronomical lead in terms of actually just being in the playoffs. So do not rush. Do not get crazy with anything. You know, the Braves are going to be really smart about it. If Max needs another week, then Max is going to take another week. If Jesse needs another week, he'll take another week. If Kyle, you know, whatever they need, you know, them being around in September and October is way more important than being around in July. So just take your time, boys. There's, there's no rush. Yeah, and I mean that's actually a good point. And we could see, you know, we've we've heard these established timelines, you know, that don't really mean a whole lot. And if they keep, they continue to win like this, you know, I, it, they may take their time. You know, yeah. I think it, for a guy like Kyle, you know, August, you know, it's about that point that you're gonna. That's gonna be after the trade deadline. You know, you're gonna want to know. You're gonna want to start to get serious. But you know, I wouldn't be hundred. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, if they if they give freed, you know, basically to the end of the month. Uh, you know, I guess he'll come back when he's ready. But, you know, again, like you said, there's no skipping steps now when you're, you know, this far, this many games uh, above 500. And, um, you know, it's going to, it's a good problem to have, uh, but there's going to be some interesting decisions that's got to be made, you know, in the bullpen, in the rotation. And, you know, I think the Braves have just really uh, built up some depth now because, you know, they've got guys like Smith Shaver and, and Jared Schuster and, and Michael Soroka. And, you know, you add Freed and Wright back to that mix, you know, Spencer Strider, the way Strider, Elder, and, and Morton's pitched him, and it's just a really good situation. Before we get – we're going to look at this Marlins series that's coming up. Uh, before we do, I want to run down the division real quick because we did this last week. Braves are 53-27. and 27. Uh, As you said, they have a better winning percentage than the Rays now. They have the best – by winning percentage, they have the best record in the in the major leagues. All of these records are entering Wednesday night. The Braves, of course, played this afternoon, so – you know their their records updated, but the Marlins, Phillies, Mets, and Nationals are all playing uh, or have played. Uh, you know later after the Braves finished up, but the Marlins are forty six and thirty four, seven games back. If they win tonight, it'll be six and a half. Uh, in big series in Atlanta coming up, Phillies forty one and thirty seven. They're kind of hovering, hovering right around where they were last week when we talked. The Mets, it's it's kind of uh, it's it's still bad. Thirty six and forty three, sixteen and a half out. You know they're a long ways out of the wild card now too and then uh, of course the nationals 31 and 48 but i mean if has, have you got any thoughts on the division have they changed any from last week you know i agree with you i still i'm i'm probably guilty of looking past the marlins still because the phillies uh still look like the team that you know i'm most concerned with in this division but you know really and truly the braves are just kind of are kind of slowly pulling ahead yeah, not really anything's changed in terms of my opinion of it. Um, you know, the Marlins kind of have had this long stretch of playing a, a lot of last place teams and they've played it really well. You know, you got to beat the bad teams too. And, and it's a mark of a good team that you beat the bad team. So, you know, they deserve credit for that. But I still just, I'm not, I'm not there yet with Miami. Um, they've got a really tough schedule in August. They, they kind of, the meat of their schedule is in August. And, you know, if they're still around, if they're still, kind of right at the Braves heels or not right at the Braves heels or seven games back. But, you know, if they're still in the general conversation, then I'll be more than happy to tell people how wrong I was about them, but I'm going to have to see that. I'm going to have to see them, 
you know, they really beat it. They this month that you know they had the they beat up on the A's, the Royals, you know, the Pirates. They're playing Boston right now. You know, they they've really had kind of the soft part of their schedule, and they've done well, and they deserve credit for that. But yeah, I'm not there yet with Miami. I I, I think you and I talked about this a couple times, but I, I still think Philly's the the most talented team or the second most talented team in the division behind the Braves. And but who knows? You know, Philly's an enigma. You can never really figure out what they're doing. Bryce Harper's had a kind of an unusually slow start back from the injury. I guess not unusually. It's it's a significant injury he's coming back from. But yeah, I think they have the most talent. The Mets are sad. I don't even really know what to talk about with the Mets. They're just kind of sad. And their owner had a press conference today because of how, you know, if your owner has to have a press conference in June, June about the state of things, then that's not a good sign for how things are going. And that's, you know, that's where the Mets are. And they still got some talent. They don't have as much talent as the Phillies do. So I'm, kind of i'm assuming the mets are going to be sellers at some point this at you know as as it stands now and uh, obviously washington's terrible so yeah that's kind of my rundown of the east all right uh well let's look at the we'll take a quick break and then we'll uh we'll come back and look at this marlin series a little closer it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Braves announced their pitching um, probables for this weekend series. Uh, they left uh, Friday was uh, t- TBA still. We've got a little more um, idea about that now. Saturday, Charlie Morton. Sunday, Spencer Strider. There's a, a better than reasonable chance, I think, that it's going to be Mike Soroka on, on Friday night. Snit said after Wednesday's game that they'll wait till Friday morning to announce that. But they did option Jared Schuster back to Gwinnett after Wednesday's game. So they have a ro- open roster spot. Allard, it, it looks like Allard's sticking, uh, going to stick in the rotation at least for another turn. You know, we're getting close here to the All-Star break. Uh, I do think it's a... You know, I, I saw a lot of people talking about. I mean, Schuster Schuster's had an up and down season. I think he showed uh, showed uh, you know some flashes of it, but you know the walk strikeout ratio is just not there. Uh, he's been hit hard at times. I can't penalize him too much for that start in Cincinnati, just because you know the Reds have been doing that to everybody. You know, in uh, in that ballpark especially. Um, but you know, I think another thing that people are overlooking him mean, is Schuster's been skipped a couple of times uh, this month. Out of necessity, obviously, you know the Braves were trying to line up their better starters against some of these, some of these other teams like the Phillies and the Reds. And I don't think that's something you know you want to continue to do the whole season. You know he's not a you know he's not a a, a journeyman fifth starter that you know you're going to skip every chance you get. You know they want they're going to want him on some uh, on a reasonable uh, regular schedule. And it said kind of said the same thing about Smith Shaver the other night too. So you know I feel like they're probably going to go to Gwinnett. They're going to probably pitch every fifth day. You know through the All Star break and then the Braves can kind of reevaluate and see where everybody else is at. But you know I think it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if Allard had struggled today. I'm sure they had a backup plan. But you know Schuster going down. You know. I guess there's another option out there, but it just still looks like it's going to be Michael Soroka Friday. All sign, you know, when we got the news of that Allard was going to start today, everybody started, you know, everybody kind of put on their thinking caps and tried to figure out exactly what the plan is. Because you, obviously you're not just looking at today and tomorrow and the next day, but you're looking kind of 
10 days out to see what the best matchups are for whatever's coming up. And so, yeah, I think we've pretty much landed on that. It's almost certainly going to be Soroka tomorrow. And he's, he's had a really good stretch at Gwinnett. Um, his last three starts, he's got, he's got a 142 ERA over like 19 innings in his last three starts. Um, so he's really kind of found a consistent stretch of success. Still walking a few too many people for my taste. I, I still think the command, and we've talked about this a lot with, with Michael, but you know, he's, he's had this long, long, long absence from the game and, you know, command is just kind of that last thing that comes, right. It's the slowest thing to get back is, is all your release points on all your pitches. And so I, I still think that's going to be a little bit of a thing for him, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be Soroka. That'll be fun. It's it'll be a, his first start uh, in front of the home crowd. Uh, both of his starts were obviously on the road when he came up the last time and, and obviously they didn't go well because he got sent back down. So so it'll be cool for the for him to pitch in front of the home crowd. The big series. I mean, obviously it's a it's the Miami series. It's the the team that's in second place. You know, one big thing about the series is the Braves actually can clinch the head to head tiebreaker. Um, they've already won six games against Miami this year, and it takes seven to clinch the tiebreaker. Obviously, because they play thirteen games against each other. So, and that head to head's big because it's the number one tiebreaker for the division. So, you know, when you when you win the tiebreaker, it's essentially like being up an extra game. So. They just got to win one more game against Miami this year to, to, to take the tiebreaker. So it's a big series, and it'll be cool to see Soroka back in Truist. You know, that'll be the first time he's pitched there since, you know, since he got hurt in 2020. So it'll be a big night for him. And then obviously they've got Strider and Morton for, for the last two games. Yeah, and uh, one last note on the rotation. By, if they do, uh, by, by pushing Morton and Strider back, both of those guys will be on extra day of rest. And then they would line them up to pitch along with Bryce Elder in the final series before the All-Star break against Tampa Bay, which will be a really good series. I mean, that's going to be a series two best teams in, in baseball by record, uh, you know, unless something something crazy happens between now and then. So, uh, but before we, you know, before we look too far ahead, let's look at this uh, Marlins team. 46 and 34 entering Wednesday said they're playing they're playing Boston tonight and also play Boston on Thursday. Uh, we don't have their, they haven't announced their pitching plans for the weekend, but just looking at it, it looks like you're going to get at least, you're going to get Yuri Perez and Sandy uh, Alcantara. I'm not sure about the third one yet, but you know, you're going to see their two, two of their best. Um, obviously, you know, the pitching staff for them has been good. I mean, they're fourth in F war entering Wednesday, 11th in ERA, but have the third best fit. You know, I think the big question for them has been their offense. They're 23rd in runs scored, 24th in homers, 17th in weighted runs created plus. But they're 17-7 and seven in June. You know, and I know, you know, we talked about them early in the year. You know, they had this winning record, and their run differential was the worst in the National League at the time. But they've whittled that down to just minus six now. You know, it's still not great, but when you consider where they were at, you know, that's a pretty good – Teams don't usually can are are not usually able to just whittle that whittle that down uh, that quickly. Uh, their expected win loss is still thirty nine and forty one, but you know the run differentials pinged them pretty hard there. Uh, but you know, again, like you said, I mean, I don't like talking about schedules and strength of schedules and stuff too much because you know if you're a good team, you're supposed to beat the bad teams, and you know with this new schedule, everybody plays everybody, so you know you can't really. Uh, you know, you can't really point to that or anything. Uh, but, you know, you did mention the tiebreaker, and, I mean, that's huge because you don't have to look back to last year. Uh, you know, that was the difference in the Braves being a wild-card team and or getting that first-round bye with a division title. So, 
you know, it's going to be a, it's a, it's a big series and, um, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Marlins react because the Braves have pretty much owned them for the last several years. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing, right. Is like the first step for Miami to gain my respect and probably the respect of a lot of other people is you got to show that you can beat the Braves. Like it doesn't really matter what else you do. Like if you can't beat the team that you're competing with for the division, and, you know, there's not as many division games as there used to be, but there's still a lot. It's still 13 games. And the the Marlins just have the hardest time beating the Braves. And, you know, I remember earlier this year, there was it was the Braves played the Marlins in back-to-back weeks. And both times it was Alicantra and Elder going head-to-head. And the Braves won both of those games. Like, the Marlins just have the hardest time beating the Braves. The, their offense is very inconsistent. They have... You know, they basically have two good hitters. You know, Soler has been really good, and obviously everybody knows about Arez, who's hitting – I think he's hitting 400 right now. Um, I don't really care about batting average, but I know a lot of people really do care about batting average, and obviously that's kind of a uh, a huge milestone. But, um, but yeah, outside of those two guys, though, it's very inconsistent for Miami, and they, have, they win a lot of low-scoring games. A little, they win a lot of one-run games, and that's just a very dangerous way to operate because it's very easy to go, you know, 10, 15 games and, and drop most of them. Um, and that's kind of what I think is going to happen at some point. But if they come into Atlanta this weekend and they take two out of three and they show that they can beat the Braves and they're not scared of the Braves, they've kind of cleared that mental hurdle, then I that that will that will say a lot. And But the opposite is also true. If they come in and get swept or they lose two out of three and it's – you know, it's pretty convincing fashion. And, you know, I, I just, I, I need to see more before I'm a believer in Miami and they do have some good pitching, but that, that offense just, it's too inconsistent for my liking. And um, so we'll see It's a big series and they're, they're going to have a couple of the Braves best pitchers to go up against. So it should be fun. Yeah. The Braves just to that point, the Braves are six and one against the Marlins this year and uh, have outscored them 54 to 22 over those seven games so you know yeah it'd be big to get that if they get really the Braves just need to I mean you know Braves go into every series just hoping to win it you know but it, like you said just even if they just get the one victory it clinches that uh, it t- clinches the tiebreaker you know yeah. it would be it would be something but I, I agree with you I mean I think it's one of those things the Marlins just have to come in here and and prove that they belong yeah and um you know, and if if they're able to do that, you know they could be an intriguing team at the trade deadline. Got a lot of young pitching. You know, they could go out and get. They probably have the capability of going out and getting whatever they want. It's just about whether they're um, going to be willing to add salary, you know, to this team. But I mean, you know, if you're not if you're the Miami and you're not going to go for it now, when are you going to go for it? Is kind of my you know would be kind of my answer. But uh, you mentioned Arez. He he's coming into Wednesday hitting three ninety nine. Uh, he's got a 450 on base percentage, uh, 161 waiters run to created plus. You know, I don't care if he hits 400. I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'll be excited if he's if he's at 390 coming down those last couple of weeks. I want to see it. He's not the MVP. You know, the MVP's in Atlanta, and um, you know it's not even close. I've seen some of that this week. I think it's people trying to. Uh, it's certain people trying to go back to the Mike Trout versus the Triple Crown winner, you know, to get that debate started or whatever. I don't care if he hits 400. He's not the MVP, you know, as long as Ronald Cooney Jr. stays healthy. But it is a great story, I think, you know, because just because, uh, you know, nobody's done it. I mean, how long has it been since anybody hit 400? You know, George Brett got close. Tony Gwynn got close. 
but nobody's done it, you know. So, you know, that'll be interesting. Uh, Jorge Soler's got 21 home runs. Um, you know, he's been a pretty rock solid in the middle of that order. And uh, Jazz Chisholm is back after missing a, a little over a month with a toe injury and had a pretty good game. But he was struggling early on when he got hurt. I still think it's crazy for them playing him in center field. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, this is one of those uh, – it's one of those series I expect Jesus Sanchez to hit one over the chop house because it seems like he does that every single time they come to Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, Marlins got to show that they can beat the Braves. And, you know, so far they just haven't been able to do that. Yeah. Sanchez will definitely hit one nine miles at some point. It'll probably be like a nine to one game when he does it, but it always happens. And Garrett Cooper will have like 12 hits in the series because that always happens. Uh, the Braves have actually controlled a res pretty well, I think. I, I looked these numbers up a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what they were, but I remember looking at him and think, you know, he he hasn't had like these massive series against the Braves that he has against everyone else. Soler always terrifies me just because I, I, I love Jorge Soler. I'll love him till the day he stops playing and even after that and the dude hits absolute nukes and i was really hoping the marlins would suck this year because i was hoping the braves could try to find find a way to get solar back but you know that's not going to happen obviously but yeah it'll be fun uh, i i i love big series like this the braves have really shown up in series like this this year you know at some point during the year the braves were kind of playing up and down to their competition they obviously haven't been doing that lately. They've just been beating everybody. But kind of early in the year, they were kind of playing up and down to their competition. But anytime like a really big series would come up, they they kind of brought their best. And so I expect them to do the same. And Strider's pitching really well. And, you know, again, the the, Mar- the Marlins offense is not exactly unbelievable. So I, I expect a good series. And, and obviously, like you said, if you take two out of three, you're happy. You can never expect to sweep anybody. And you just try to win the series and, and move on to the next one. Well, I think that's a that's going to wrap us up. You got anything else you want to you want to say before we get out of here? No, uh, all star voting is happening. I can't wait for all star voting to be over um, because then it will be over and we don't have to talk about it anymore. But it looks like the Braves are going to have some the the Braves are going to be very well represented at the All Star game. Um, we got a lot of content coming around the draft. We got a lot of content coming. Period. Just we we churn out content every day on the site so make sure you're checking out the site battery power make sure you're checking out the podcast network we've got three different shows us obviously the podcast will be named later then you have the main show with brad and scott and then you have the daily hammer with with sean that comes out two or three times a week so always content to to follow along and yeah come join us because it has been a crazy fun season and it should continue to be that so we appreciate it